The Holy Gospel according to St. John in the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from many, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. So, what are locks for? Security. That was the first answer I got today. Security. What are locks on doors for? Keep people out. Okay. What? Or in. There you go. There's two sides to that story, right? It's kind of interesting that in the lessons today, we have examples of both of those. So we see the disciples gathered around in that room, and they have the doors locked. Why? Why? Yeah. Security from what? Well... Specifically, who people outside? No, not the Romans. The Jewish leaders. Think about it. They're afraid. I mean, they knew the Jews meant business. Two days before this, on Friday, they killed Jesus. So they meant business. So they're afraid. So they're gathered in that room that night and they got the doors locked because they don't want anybody coming in and they're hoping the word didn't get out where they're at. The doors are locked because they're afraid. And so Jesus knows that. So Jesus shows up, you know, just appears and he knows they're already afraid. So the first thing he says to them is peace be with you. It's okay. Calm down. Calm down. Because he knows they're afraid. And then what does he say after he shows himself and kind of proves who he is and everything? He says, peace be with you again. But then he says what? He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
The night of the resurrection, he gives them a commission. The very night. We always think about the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, and that happened just before the ascension. Or we think in the first chapter of, of Acts where he says, you will be my witnesses just before the ascension. But it happened 40 days before that. The night of Easter, he says, I am sending you. And so then later on, and this was the first lesson we had today, the disciples are out doing what Jesus want, wanted, them, wanted them to do. And this was after Pentecost, after the Spirit came. Well, the, even in that story on Easter night, he breathed on them and gave them the Spirit. But after that, they're out doing what Jesus called them to do. So they're preaching the gospel, they're healing people, this time, the authorities come and get them and lock them up. So this time, they're locked in. The lock's turned on the other side of the door. And they're locked in. Of course, what happens? God comes, unlocks the door, gets them out, and what does He tell them? Go to the temple courts and tell everyone all about the new life. In both cases... He tells them the same thing. I am sending you. Go out and tell everybody about the new life. You see, opening locked doors is not a problem for God. Except the locked doors of people's hearts. Thomas is a good example of that. Because he wasn't there that first night. So when the disciples told him what had happened, that Jesus appeared and he came to us, he said, yeah, right. Seeing is believing. He said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. So his mind was closed. His heart was locked. Maybe it was locked up because he was afraid. He was afraid of getting hurt. If I believe this and then I get disappointed, I'm going to be hurt. Or whatever the reason, he was closed up. He was locked down and he wasn't going to believe it. And so then the next Sunday night, the disciples are gathered again. They're still afraid because they got the door locked. And Thomas is with them. And just like before, Jesus just shows up, appears. First thing he says, peace be with you. And then he turns his attention to Thomas. And he says to Thomas, look. He says, look at my hands. Come over here. Touch them. Here's the spear hole in my side. Touch it. He says, don't doubt, but believe. And with those words, he unlocked Thomas's heart. And when the door to Thomas's heart opened up, out gushed, my Lord and my God. And you can probably even imagine Thomas dropping to his knees and putting his head down for whatever he was feeling. But it just gushed out, my Lord and my God. When Jesus took the special time to unlock Thomas's heart. So then I think about us. How locked up are we sometimes? How much are we locked maybe behind doors of fear? So that we don't find ourselves going in the temple courts or going out in the public and just blaring out about this new life, telling everyone about the new life, like God told the disciples when he let them out of prison. 
we're afraid sometimes, and so we hold back. We're reluctant to do it for whatever reason and whatever we're afraid of. Or maybe we're covered up by doubt. Maybe we doubt our own abilities or doubt if we're going to be able to do it. Or doubt that God's going to be with us as we do it. And so somehow we hold back. I don't know. I don't know what it is that maybe prevents us from doing those things. It might be a combination of things. But regardless of all that, there's one thing that's common to us all. We are all locked in to death. It's a foregone conclusion that we are going to die. We have no control over it. We cannot unlock the doors of death. We cannot avoid it. In any way, it's there. And ultimately, apart from Christ, we are locked into an eternal death, an eternal separation from God that we have absolutely no control over. And then we get to John's vision in Revelation. John begins that in that first chapter, and he's, he's singing God's praises, and he's lifting up God, and, and you know, some really good words there. But then he gets off into the spirit, and the vision comes. And he sees one in his vision like a son of man, which we know is a reference to Christ. And so he sees this magnificent vision, and, of course, he's afraid, and he falls down like he's dead. And then he hears this. Don't be afraid. That seems to be the common introduction here. I am the first and the last, the alpha, the omega. I am the bookends on your life. I am the bookends on all of existence from before creation to after creation. That's me. And I cover all of that. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold the keys. The living one, the one that was dead and now is alive, is alive. I hold the keys. And I can unlock for you death. I have the keys of Hades. Hades was the place where all the dead went. There was no good or bad, whatever. Everybody went there, but once you got there, you couldn't get out. I have the keys, he said. Why? Because I was dead, and now I'm alive. And so I can unlock death for you. But it's not just that, because he can unlock our hearts as well. And so whatever fear or doubt there might be in us when we look at what he wants us to do, I am sending you... Go tell everybody about the new life. Go make disciples. You'll be my witnesses. All those things, whatever fear and doubt we have, Jesus can unlock that. And just like for Thomas, when he unlocked Thomas's heart, what came out? My Lord and my God. I have the keys, Jesus said. It's the central message of Christianity, isn't it? 
that through Christ there is life. There is life. It's a life that he has given to you. And it's a life that we proclaim. It is our job as Christians. It is the only job we have is to tell the world about the life that comes through Jesus Christ. The church is not a social club. It's not a social work organization. That's not to say that those kinds of activities are bad or don't have their place. They do. But whether we gather for fellowship or whether we're out in the community helping people, we do it. Why? So we have the opportunity to tell people about life, to tell people about Christ. We share the love of Christ so we have the opportunity to tell the love of Christ. When we go on these trips to Guatemala, it's all nice that we go and build houses for people. It's all nice that we work on repairing houses and that we install these stoves which are life-changing for them. It's a great thing that we provide feeding programs for the kids. It might be their only meal of the day or of two days. And it's wonderful that we can send widows home with 52 pounds of food on their back. And you should see some of these little old ladies carrying 52 pounds food on their back, but they do it. And can feed five people for 30 days with that food. It's all nice that we do that. But if we don't connect that with Jesus Christ, then it's all for naught. One thing that we did at every house that we ever went to is if they didn't ask us, and every now and then somebody would say, I don't understand why you come from so far away to do this for me. But if they don't ask that, we bring it up. And we tell them, we do this because God loves you. and God loves us. And we want to do something and we want to share that message with you and we do and we tell a Bible story and we give them an audio Bible in their language and we do all this so that they can know about Christ. The reason we do those things is to provide ourselves with an opportunity to talk about the new life. That's what it's about. You and I have been given a great gift. Life with a capital L. Eternal life that will last forever. And Jesus comes, he has unlocked that for us, and he can cover any fear and doubt that we have, but he's given us a mission to tell everyone about the new life. So it doesn't make any difference if we're out there, if we're volunteering for CEO or for Seven Hills, if we're making deliveries for the Outback program, or today we're going to have a meeting about the the. Uh, mission development meetings that we're having and taking a look at the ministry and whatever comes out of that. None of that makes a difference if we don't connect it with the opportunity to talk about life. Sharing the gift that God has given us. When I'm at work at the store, on my apron I have a button. It says, can I pray for you? Every now and then, somebody will take me up on that. And so we'll go off to the side of the store somewhere and I'll pray with them about whatever it is they need to be prayed for. Maybe 
maybe what we could do is get some buttons. Maybe get some buttons so that when we go out into the community and, and if we're doing some volunteer work or where we're at, wear a button that says, ask me why I'm doing this. And maybe somebody will. And maybe there will be a chance to tell about the new life. Amen.